Welcome to A Better HR Business, the podcast that looks at how HR consultants and HR tech firms grow their businesses and how they help their employers to get the best out of their people. Remember, for show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Okay, let's get started. Hello, thanks for joining me again, Ben here. Great to have you along. I'm really looking forward to today's chat with Steve Watson. Steve is the founder of the very cool trendbreakers.com. Now, Steve is a CFO, a licensed CHRO, and a licensed benefits broker. So he's a very busy person. Steve, thank you very much for joining me today. Excited to be on your show today. Yeah, great to have you along. And whereabouts are you based? I am based in Phoenix, Arizona, the, the sunny, super hot place here. Oh, beautiful. Good to have you along. Do you want to start by giving us a quick background of yourself and what led up to the formation of Trendbreakers? Sure. So my, my, my history is a lot in the finance area. I got my MBA, CPA. I'm a numbers geek that way. And I started working for a company as a CFO and about a year into my tenure, the HR director quit. And so they looked at me and they said, HR, finance, that's, that's about the same thing, right? We'll give that all to you. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know in what world you think HR and finance are the same thing, but I'm somebody that if you give me something, I'm going to go all in. So I went and got certified in HR. I started attending all the national SHRM conferences, um, really took a deep dive in there. And right about that same time, I had my next insurance renewal, or at least the first insurance renewal of wearing both hats. And we got a 30% rate increase. So in my company, benefits was is the second largest expense in the company. It's wages, then benefits, and then like everything else. Mm-hmm. And so a 30% rate increase for my finance brain. I mean, I was having to try and figure out how to come up with two to $300,000 worth of money to pay for these benefits. And now my HR hat's thinking like screaming about how am I going to stand up in front of 500 employees and tell them that their benefits are going to get more expensive and become more watered down. It just ticked me off because... Yeah. You know, as a CFO, I can find value in all areas of the business, but nobody ever taught me about benefits, how it works. Are there better options? Are there different things out there? I was just felt, you know, kind of lost and frustrated. And so I took the next few years to figure it out, to to learn different things. And I had the wonderful opportunity to, to be a CFO, an interim CFO for an insurance broker for about six months. And that really opened up all my eyes because I got to peek behind the veil, uh-huh. see all the incentives that were in place and everything that was going on. And I, I really felt that if HR professionals knew all the behind the scenes things that were going on, they'd make better decisions. But there was no place for them to find unbiased opinions. Everything I, I, I heard was coming from an insurance broker that was selling me these Trailing insurance policies yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And so that was the beginning of trend breakers. I was like, I want to build like, you know, think about Yelp reviews or consumer reviews or something like that. Like what is the employee benefit space where it's a safe space for us to go to, to learn from, to partner with. And that's, you know, I have a podcast now and different things that I help in HR professionals. But that, that was the beginning, you know, me just being ticked off, solving my own mm. problem, found a need out there that there wasn't any unbiased stuff there. So I started trend breakers. And what is trend brokers in the, in the sense of the word? You know, when we're doing renewals, a lot of times the insurance broker will say, well, medical trend is going up 5% this year. Medical trends going up 10% every year. It's like every year it's going up five to 10%. And no other place in my business would that just happen that people just show up and say, oh, well, it's going up 10%. Oh, well, here you go. And so I got so sick of the word trend. I'm like, I'm just all about breaking that trend and, and taking it down. You know, insurance carriers here have, so much of our money we pay to them, whether we use the, the policies or not. 
So I'm really trying to get that money and bring it back to reinvest it back into our employees and back into the companies. So what exactly is Trend Breakers or what does it do? So I, you know, it's, it's a variety of things. Like one is I'm trying to put out a lot of information there. So I have a podcast called Trend Breakers. So every Monday there's an episode about employee benefits that people can go look up. But I found that people wanted more than just hearing about it. They wanted kind of like the step-by-step process. So I came up with this idea of having having an academy where people can come together, get really trained on it. It's almost like a, a boot camp for employee benefits or like an MBA for employee benefits, like a training yeah. stuff. But beyond that, it's like, you know, you can get the knowledge, but then having somebody like me or having some of your peers go through that renewal process with you, um, you know, I, I, I use the analogy of like going and buying a boat. Like I've never bought a boat before. I have no idea how to buy a boat. Like if I show up at the boat sales place, I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know how that process works. I'm just going to, I'm not going to get the best price for that boat. But if I get some learning about it, I, I understand it. And then I bring some friends with me that have bought boats before, know how that process works. I'm going to get a much better deal. Like we understand that. Like we, we trust that, right? Well, I'm trying to do some the same thing for an employee benefits for people that are going, you know, renewing their next benefits. Like I'm going to be that friend that's going to come with you. And, you know, and your other HR peers will be with you as you go through that next renewal. And so you get the education and the advisory services with it. Got it. Um, I'm imagining that there's not too many boat shops in Arizona, but. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple and that's uh, why I'm so bad at buying a boat. Like you do not <laughs> want me out there buying a boat for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I know you love geeking out on employee benefits. Uh, I'm a big believer in the 80-20 rule that certain themes, problems, pain points will rise to the fore. What are the, the main pain points or the biggest issues you find when someone says, oh, this is what you do. You do trend breakers. Cool. I've, I've got some issues. What are the issues you typically hear about from HR leaders? You know, the first one is the costs keep going up every year and then they're left scrambling to to mitigate those costs. And so they have to change insurance carriers every year. They have to change different plans or they have to like water down the plans. And so every year it feels like this rush to like mitigate the price increases by changing stuff. And it creates a lot of havoc, especially in the, the end of year for, for HR professionals. Yeah. Um, and, and that's frustrating. I, I think one of the, the underlying things that HR professionals are not aware of is that the people that they partner with, so the insurance brokers, have misaligned incentives. And so the way that most brokers are paid are through commissions. And so they get a commission off the insurance premiums. And so you think about that time when I got the 30% rate increase, that's really bad for me, bad for my company, 30% rate increase. But guess who's getting a 30% raise? Yeah. The insurance broker. And so those misaligned incentives. And so we have to realize when we're asking our insurance brokers or expecting them to, to work really hard to lower down our premiums, we're asking them to work harder and get paid less. And not a lot of us do that, right? We don't want to get paid less. And so there's easy ways to change that arrangement where you align those incentives. And I find that after employers, you can keep working with the same one. I'm not saying you have to go out and change your broker. But you can change that financial arrangement. And then as soon as you bring them on your side of the table where you win together and lose together, it's amazing how the opportunities start popping up now. That's kind of aligned to a question I had whereby you've got the CFO background, but the CHRO background as well. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on how the CFO and the chief HR officer can work together better? Any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. So that's that's like three other podcasts we could go into. But it's... (laughs) They're very, it's funny because we think about them as such different areas, you know, finance is way over there and HR is way over here. And we don't really see them getting along that well, 
but they're so similar because they're both kind of back office working administrative parts of the parts of the business and they're both trying to help that business grow and be successful the thing that where it separates us is like we attack the problems differently like some, if there's a big problem finance is going to go to data and analyzing and numbers right that's where we we solve our problems through the data and hr is not going to go to the numbers they're going to go to the relationships they're going to go to people and talking to people and culture and trying to build programs they're both extremely important and they're both trying to solve the same thing but they just speak different languages right so if you are from hr trying to go convince a cfo to do things just like if I'm going to move to Brazil, I need to speak Portuguese. If you're going to go from HR to finance, you need to speak and learn the, the language of numbers and be able to speak in numbers. And if you are finance trying to convince your HR professional to do something, you need to get out of the data and out of the numbers and out of the weeds and start talking about relationships and how it impacts it. Got it. That's great advice. So people listening to this, some of them will be consultants who may be doing the outsourced HR for employers. Um, what's your advice when it comes to sort of managing the employee benefit side and looking for better deals or is it something better left untouched and just focus on other areas? You know, what's your advice to those sort of people? I'd say it depends on the size of the company. So if you have, if you're working with a company that has less than 50 employees, there's not a lot of options out there. Um, it's just, you get a lot of off the shelf products. I mean, there are some creative stuff to do. You can go to the trend breakers podcast and listen to some of them. But if you're getting over 50 employees and especially over 100 employees, if you're consulting with some of those companies, you are sitting on a gold mine worth of opportunities there. You know, these companies, they may want to invest more in culture and the programs and the own work that you're consulting with. But a lot of times the money is getting sucked up into benefits. And so they don't have the funds there. So if you're able to help them negotiate those benefits in a better way, save that money, you end up being the hero for that company. And then, you know, you go to them and say, look, I, I just helped you save $100,000 on your benefits. Can we reinvest 20000 of that into this new HR program? It's hard for another CEO or CFO to say no to that because you brought so much money to the table. Um, yeah. I, I'd say if you're over 100 employees, there's usually about $1,000 per employee of fluff built into those plans that you can find. And it's just working through them. Mm. Uh, one of the initial things I would recommend doing is just figuring out what is the total cost of benefits that the company and the employees pay for together? And then comparing that to other line items in the business. So for example, I'm not sure if you knew about this, but Starbucks spends more money on employee benefits than they do on coffee beans. Yeah. Now, just let that sink in a little bit. Starbucks spends more money on employee benefits than coffee beans. <laughs> now think about how many resources Starbucks puts into sourcing coffee beans, planning for coffee beans. They probably have like a whole procurement department just for, for that piece of negotiating the best prices. Now, I'm not aware, I don't know the insides of Starbucks, but my guess is they're not putting all that same effort into negotiating the rates of employee benefits, No. right? But they should be. And so if you're able to go there and say, look, your employee benefits at this XYZ company, it's double of what the whole investment in the IT department is. More than IT director, all the software, everything we use, we spend more money on employee benefits. It, it starts to raise the eyebrows of CEOs and get them you know, more involved in doing this. And, and, and when, I, when I talk about lowering the price of these things, I'm never talking about limiting care. Like I wanna get everybody the, the care. I'm not a doctor. I mean, they need to go get more care in most cases than less care. It's just finding the right, you know, the the least price or the lowest price for whatever that care is. And I'll give you a quick example. Mm -hmm. um, I a couple of years ago, I got 
my eyes got really red. And so I went to the doctor, they said, well, you have some allergies, you know, you know, get this, go get this prescription. So I ran over to the local Walgreens with my prescription and the pharmacist looks to me and says, uh, this is going to be like really expensive. I'm like, that's not a good sign. And I'm like, how much is it? And so he said it was $235. And I'm like, $235. I mean, look, my eyes are red, but not $235 red. So I'm getting ready to go out, but I'm like, oh, I got my insurance cards. I'll whip that buddy. And so I pull that out, throw it on the table. And the guy's like, well, it's $231. I'm like, really? You know, big insurance company saved me four bucks. But then I remembered I had this app on my phone that got all the cash prices. It's called GoodRx. Highly recommend it for people to use GoodRx. And it said, if I use GoodRx instead of the insurance card, it was $75 for that same prescription at that pharmacist. And if I drove three miles to local grocery store, it was 20 bucks. So in the matter of a few minutes, I found the same prescription for four different prices, ranging from $20 all the way up to $231. Wow. And that is for one transaction for one employee throughout the year. So just think about all of the employees that you may be working with, all the transactions. I ended up getting better care because I ended up getting the prescription that I needed for my eyes for you know one-tenth of the price. And so it's just applying that principle from one employee across all your different employees. And that's where you start seeing a lot of these different savings. Um, if you got time, I got a, an, another example from, from last year. Yeah. So that's, a, you know, the individual level is the, the one about the eye drops. But last year during COVID, I was working with another company. They spent $6 million on employee benefits and they were getting ready for their insurance renewal. And the broker came by and said, look, you know, I was able to negotiate a really good deal. It's only a 2% increase this year. And they were getting ready to sign on the dotted line. Cause like, well, 2% increase during COVID. We got other fish to fry, not really worried about it. And they called me up and said, what do you think? And I said, just hold up, just, just wait just a second. I mean, 2% kind of sounds good, but let's see. I said, well, what were your claims? Like you gave $6 million to this insurance company, but how much did they pay out to hospitals and doctors and stuff like that? And they said, well, we don't even know. I'm like, well, that's the first thing is like, you need to ask what it was. So they you know, found out that information, came back. They'd spent, the insurance company had spent $3.4 million on claims. And I was like, and I was shocked. I mean, my jaw dropped and I was so frustrated on yeah. their behalf because I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you gave them $6 million. They turned around and paid out $3.4 million. They got to keep $2.6 million worth of year money, you know, and some of it's admin and profit and blah, blah, blah. But they kept $2.6 million a year money and they had the audacity to give you a 2% increase. I'm like, screw them, <laughs> you know? And so they, you know, now they feel empowered, right? I mean, this is kind of you're talking about like buying a button, kind of knowing when you're empowered and ask, asking the right questions because now they came back and gave that information back to the broker and the carrier. Well, guess what? They just got a $400,000 savings right after that when they came back with the next quote. It's like, no, no, we really want to keep your business. We'll lower it down, you know? So then they took that money and reinvested it back in the 401k. They upped their 401k benefits. They lowered the, the payroll deductions for all their employees. Those HR... Uh, directors ended up being the hero that that open enrollment and they didn't have to change anything stayed with the same carrier same ppo plan same everything but just being empowered and having the right data and knowing the right questions changed that whole scenario wow well you clearly know your stuff <laughs> yeah i tend to geek out on this kind of stuff <laughs> no i like that uh, and i love the fact that you've chosen a, a particular area to focus on i'm curious 
with all this knowledge, uh, practical experience, the wins you've had along the way, how do you either deliver or package up your knowledge and experience and offer that uh, as paid services? So uh, I believe you have consulting and coaching. How do you structure what you offer? Yeah, the, the, the services I'm, I'm rolling out right now. So the first one is the Academy. So starting August 15th or October 15th, I have this Employee Benefits Academy to, to really teach and empower HR directors on how to do this process as well as work with them through their, their next renewal. So really works for companies that have more than hundred employees or consultants are working with companies with more than more than hundred employees. And, and my savings, like if you don't save more than $10,000, which is double the price of what the course is, it's all free. Like I'm not adding to the cost oh, to any, nice. anybody. Like I want to invest in you. I want to lower things. I guarantee. And if I can't do it, it's, it's all free. So I do that for the Academy. Um, and that's to empower them to work on their renewals. I work with them. If they want me to do it for them, I have companies that hire me to, you know, go out and, you know, help them find brokers to actually do the renewal process for them to, you know, work with them. So that's kind of a, on a case by case basis that they can, they can work with me. And then the, the thing I'm hoping to roll out next year is I'm going to be recording a lot of this content and putting that out. I actually have a book coming out here at the end of the year to talk about uh, kind of all this process. So a lot of, a lot of cool things coming out, but the Academy is definitely the big one coming up in August. Yeah. You've, you've got it all going on there. Thank goodness for COVID because I can imagine you attending lots of barbecues and talking about nothing but benefits. Yeah. They can't get me to shut up. So I ended up starting a podcast so I could just, you know, talk on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and even that podcast is all about, I invite people on there to tell their stories, but I learned a ton of stuff just for me and then be able to share that with everybody has been, been a really good medium. I love the podcast medium. Yeah, that is. It's great. Definitely. I'm curious, I'm a marketing guy. I'm from an HR background, but a marketing person. What has worked well for you in terms of attracting new clients? And then also, how would you plan to bring in members for your new academy? I'd say the two things that have been really good for me is podcasting is an amazing prospecting marketing tool that I don't think enough people tap into. Mm. So I actually have three podcasts that I host right now. One's Friend Breakers, another one's called My HR Journey that dives into the stories of HR professionals and my CFO journey for their their journeys. And so the ability to have people on your show to learn about their stories and get connected with them. And we don't talk anything about you know benefits and stuff like that, but I just get to know them and connect with them on a personal level. And then when you go and you you make an offer to them that you can help them out in a specific area, those conversations are, are so much better. Um, so that's that's the first thing. And then the, the, the second thing is I, I love LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. The ability to, it's funny because I mean, the power in commenting on other people's posts. Like if you want to be on my podcast, or you're trying to get connected with me. If you comment on my posts and engage there, so much more engaging than, you know, spamming me with like a direct message or other things, like just comment on those posts. Um, and just even ask, I mean, to, to, after you comment a couple of times is very powerful. So those are the two main things. That's a vastly underrated uh, approach to take on LinkedIn, isn't it? The, the commenting on other people's things. So many people fret about what shall I say? When do I say it? What am I going to do on LinkedIn for my own content? But yeah, just get out there and connect with people. And yeah. And I, I'd almost say that I, I would say the commenting is like 10 to 20 times more powerful than the, actually your own content. Um, and, and partly, I, I think people miss the boat on LinkedIn and the, they end up just commenting on other people within the, like I'll, I'll use the example of insurance brokers. Like there's a lot of insurance brokers on LinkedIn, but they tend to just comment on each other's stuff and they tend to geek out on insurance within their own world. And, 
LinkedIn wants to keep you on there, you know, the algorithms and everything. And so if you're just commenting on other people's stuff or other insurance brokers, well, guess what you're going to see in your newsfeed? Other insurance brokers. And they're like, well, I don't see the HR people on LinkedIn. I don't see the finance people. Other. I'm like, they're there. You're just not commenting and liking their stuff. And you mentioned the podcasting. You've got three. So yep. what you, you started with one, what said to you to let's go to another and then add a third? So I, I started Trend Breakers last summer, so last June, and I started out doing three episodes a week. And it was really just a hodgepodge of people I wanted to talk with and for me to geek on employee benefits. I was a little worried to go all in on employee benefits. I didn't think there'd be enough people wanting to listen to it because people in HR have so many things to deal with and it's one thing. Um, so I ended up bringing on HR experts, talking to finance people and all the people I wanted to talk to did over 120 episodes and then starting, I got some feedback in February saying, look, I'm loving all your benefit stories. Can it just be its own episode? Or I'm loving these HR journey stories. Like, can that just be its own, own podcast? And so I listened to that. So I split it into three. So I'm still doing the same amount of volume. It's just my Monday one, my episodes come out on Monday is trend breakers, all about employee benefits, Wednesdays, all the HR journeys. Uh, and then Fridays, all the CFO journeys. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant approach. And one small thing I noticed on your website when I was looking at it recently is something I would preach a lot is that work out your positioning and who your ideal clients are and all that sort of stuff. But wherever possible, segment into different use cases or different situations. So for instance, back in the day when I had my own HR business, um, I would split out my website visitors and the email opt-ins into, I think it was HR professionals, uh, business owners, admin office managers, because you know sometimes they would be charged with finding the HR services. And then I had a fourth category, which is student or other. And that was in there simply to sort of filter out students who are just looking for free HR stuff. But it was all about segmentation. Yeah. And, and over the years, recent years, I would have sent about 3 million emails or more to, for different clients and so on. Uh, and I've, I've done emojis in headlines and I've, I've done pretty pictures. I've done long emails, short emails, all of that sort of stuff. But time after time, the thing that works the most, the best is segmentation. And I noticed you had something like that on your website where you're saying, click the option that best suits your own situation and how I can help you lower your benefits costs. And then you've divided people out. I just thought that was genius. So if you're listening to this on the go, do check out Steve's website and have a look at the way he's trying to segment his audience. And that may be you, listener. You may be one of those people. So do check it out. But yeah, Steve, I really like that approach. I appreciate it. And I, you know, I, I need to do it even more because I, I would talk very differently to an HR consultant yeah. working with a, you know, 75 employee group versus, yeah. you know, a CFO with 500 employees. I mean, they're Absolutely. very different conversations. It's attacking the same problem, but they're coming at it different ways. And we all want to just find things that are relevant to our very specific situation. The more relevant it is, the more likely we are to to pick up the phone and call. Yeah, so smart, so smart. Steve, if people listening to this would either like to work with you or refer people to you and to trend breakers, who are those ideal sorts of people? Yeah, so it really comes down to the, the key decision makers of companies in the US with more than 100 employees for their medical insurance for their employees. So those key decision makers can split into like sometimes it's an HR, sometimes it's operations, sometimes it's the CEO or the CFO. But whoever that person is, that's the one that's meeting with insurance brokers and carriers and deciding who, what plan it is and what rates we should have and stuff like that. I'm focused on that 
that segment and empowering those folks to go through the process. Okay, great. So Steve, I've learned so much and I highly recommend that people listening to this go and check out Trendbreakers because A, it's a wonderful service. There's great advice. The podcasts are amazing. We've got some great people in there, Ben Eubanks, so many people on there, but also just to admire your marketing and your approach to things. I think it's um, it stands out as being very professional, very smart. So that's brilliant. What should people do next if they want to learn more about Trendbreakers? Yeah, if they want to know about the employee benefits side of things, you know, trendbreakers.com and you can find it through the Academy there to learn about the Academy that's coming up. If you want to know a little bit more about me, Steve Watson Live is a website you can go to. It has all my speaking information and when I'm talking to people, you know, connecting HR professionals, CFOs and CFO and brokers with CFOs and stuff like that. So it's a lot of information about me and stay on the lookout. I got a book coming out at the end of the end of the fall. So, you know, stay in touch. You can find me on LinkedIn at Steve Watson CPA as well. I'm always there and commenting on things and come on, come comment on my posts. And that's how we can really try. <laughs> Steve, do get back in touch when you're releasing your book, because it'd be great to share that out with people. But I just want to say thank you very much for sharing all your insights and advice to people. It's been really interesting talking with you today. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Thanks for joining us today on A Better HR Business, the podcast that explores the world of HR consulting and HR tech businesses. For show notes and downloads, go to www.getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. That's getmorehrclients.com forward slash podcast. Remember to subscribe and share the show with any friends who are busy growing a HR business. Thanks and see you next time.